Great, fantastic. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everybody that is listening to our podcast today. Welcome to DDP Podcasts. Uh, my name is Yanga Malotana and I work on the communications team at DDP. And we are so excited to be bringing this project over to you guys where you've seen how DDP has been involved on our social media pages. Now we get to be in your ear and constantly in your face about all things uh, democracy. Uh, joining us today is my boss, uh, my leader, and also the leader of this fantastic organization that we are part of, Dr. Paul Karayuki. Thank you so much for being here. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is, uh, Dr. Paul Karayuki is the Executive Director of the Democracy Development Program. He holds a PhD in administration from the University of KwaZulu-Natal, and he has served in various leadership roles in civil society sector for the last 22 years. Outside of the civic sector, he is also a research fellow with the School of Management, IT and Governance at UKZN, and his research interests are public governance, public participation, citizenship, electronic governance, monitoring and evaluation, in the public sector. He has published widely in these areas of interest and also uh, serves as a reviewer of several national and international academic journals. A mouthful of an introduction for such an incredible man. Dr. Paul Kariki, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Yanga, for having me here today. I'm winning as always I do, I say, and I'm excited that we are able to present this um, uh, podcast to our online viewers and others who may be interested in hearing what we do as DDP. And of course, at the same time to uh, create an opportunity for engagement on the various aspects are going to be talking about democracy and related um, aspects. And therefore I'm very excited and thank you again for having me here. Absolutely, fantastic. So for our viewers tuning in today, as you can see from our title, our discussion today is going to be looking at democracy at the age of what some might call democratic apathy, right? Um, and before we get into the intense crux of the discussion and arguments that come out of that, I think let's start with the basics, Dr. K. Uh, what is the Democracy Development Program and how would you describe the work that the program does? So the Democracy Development Program uh, as an organization uh, was started in 1993 uh, and we've been running for the last, uh, I would say now 29 years. Um, and we have been uh, graciously funded by Conrad and Inouye Stiftung, which is a German political foundation that has been very instrumental in shaping the democracy and political engagement in our country since pre-independence days. And it has been very much uh, actively engaged with DDP as the one of their grantees in this country in prospering the work that they started uh, pre-democracy days. And after democracy in 1994, they have continued to support the various aspects of our work. And basically DDP as an organization, we call ourselves a convener of citizen gatherings of different right. aspects, different constituencies, be they political parties, be they traditional leaders, be they civil society organizations and networks, be they ordinary citizens in communities. Our work transcends the various uh, constituencies because we are very, very much passionate um, of the power of an ordinary citizen in influencing political decisions mm. in our country. And we believe as much as possible when we convene these gatherings with different constituencies to discuss or to debate 
any discourses that are of national importance. We are building that citizen power uh, from whichever constituency it may, be, it may be to influence those decisions that affect ordinary citizens in communities and on the street. And this is very important for me to lay up front because mm. why we're struggling with the concept of democracy, and I'm, I know we're going to come into that section later, but one of the reasons why we, we society is struggling with the idea of democracy is because there is no uh, real understanding around what it really means and what it does to ordinary citizens on a daily basis. And thirdly, how can citizens make democracy a lived experience so that they can be able to see what it does actually to themselves as people and what it does in contributing to societal um, uh, well-being as far as consolidating democracy is concerned. So broadly, that's what DDP does. And we're very, very much passionate about mobilizing citizens uh, to participate in different national and societal uh, discourses. And we have various means through which we do this uh, through our different programmings. And um, uh, we, we, we are able to, to say confidently, investing in the last 29 years in our communities around this country, we can see how far we have come in enabling citizen power, mm. in holding those who are in leadership accountable for their decisions and for their actions. Mm, I love I love that you um, have brought up actually how old uh, DDP is, or at least what I would argue how young uh, DDP mm. is, because it's almost mm. as young as our uh, democracy today. And um, mm. we know that South Africa's democracy is nearly 30 years old, and um, many would very much argue that it is still young, you know, compared to the fathers of democracy, like your Americas, yeah. where, you know, democracy is something that was quote unquote established in the 1700s already. Um, yeah. And we know that that is motivated by the, the, the history of apartheid. And um, that is a byproduct of a time in which people did not have that access to be actively participating in democracy wholly. Um, yeah. As South Africa attempts to navigate through the challenges within this young democratic society, um, I think that the question a lot of people have is how can they trust the process? How can they trust that this little youngling, this duckling that they have over here is going to grow into being mm. a, a significant swan in the future, right? Because I think yeah. that's where a lot of people are sitting right now. It's like there's a bit of a distrust um, with, the, with the system. Uh, what do you have to say to that? Well, I, I think I'll start first of all to borrow from our vision as an organization that we actually are always working towards activating citizenship, where we, we want to see citizens mobilized uh, to, to be able to co-create opportunities that can bring hope in situations that look like hopeless. And in mm. right now in this country, there are so many situations that makes everybody uh, uh, as a citizen to wonder, is there a better day tomorrow? We have heard a season or a decade of cliches, yeah? a better life for all, and these are the things. But the, the reality contradicts the cliches. And right, now yeah. the, 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 the challenge for most, for most citizens, irrespective of their societal status is, is this thing called democracy really a reality? There is a lot mm. of questioning whether actually it is there. Is it, is it a nebulous concept? Um, and if it is not, how do we experience it? How do we make it livable? How do I eat it? 
How do I work it? And all those things. And so the work of DDP, of course, being that it stands from this place to say that as citizens, we have a very powerful mandate, constitutional mandate, to intervene and to participate actively in our public affairs. And so the work of DDP is to advocate, our vision actually is to advocate mm. for that active citizenry that not only holds people in power, that those people mm -hmm. in power to account, but also advocates that citizens themselves must actively participate at whatever right. levels of societal engagement. Our mission therefore becomes very, very confined and constrained towards that active citizen engagement because we mm -hmm. believe that's a starting point of experiencing democracy and not, mm -hmm. not now as a concept, but as an experience. Now, mm -hmm. given the context you've given now, the importance of every citizen participating in that uh, form, uh, broad sense of democracy and active citizenship is to ensure that their voices are heard where it matters most. And so the question then is where is their voice heard and most important needs to be heard? It's from their household, then to their neighborhood, then to the immediate community, then to the broader community, yeah? That now moves mm. from now that community level to a municipal level, if you want to put it that way, mm. and then mm. to a provincial level, and then to a national level, and then engage with the rest of the world. Uh, COVID-19 has broken the walls of connection. Mm. Now we can participate in a platform like this digitally and reach out to people beyond the borders of South Africa. So, but it begins in your household. How do we, for example, at a household level, talk to each other? How do we hold each other accountable at the home? And then in my neighborhood, immediate neighborhood, what are the structures that I, as a citizen, can engage with and make my voice heard? You see, because if I'm not saying anything and I'm not participating in anything, I'm actually contributing to the problem that I see that pesters me all night, makes me not to sleep because I'm, I'm, I'm disconnected with my immediate context. If I'm not participating in my family or in my household as a, as a, as a person who needs to be contributing, not, not financially only, mm. but also with my ideas, with my thoughts, with my vision. If I'm not doing that at my household level, there's a voice that is missing that can redirect my family or my household to a better future. Now take that notion to my neighborhood. If I'm not participating in my ward committee, for example, or a rate payers association, or, 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 a, or a network of environmental advocates within whatever the network may be, if I'm not participating in any of those opportunities, my voice is not being heard as a citizen and therefore I'm contributing to the decay that is making me unhappy and feel hopeless for the nation. And then that, that goes on and on. If I'm not participating at, at a municipal level through the various channels that have been legislated, some are invented, some are created uh, by citizens themselves. If I'm not participating in those, I'm also create, I'm being part of the problem. And then you take it to the province and to the nation. So, so the idea of moving out of hopelessness, societal hopelessness, can be cured when every individual citizen believes that they have something to contribute and their voice matters. Now, I know somebody out there may say, hey, Paul, I've been on that road before. And right. whenever I try to engage, nobody wants to listen to me. My, my answer has always been keep, keep talking because keeping quiet contributes to passiveness 
And when you are a passive as a citizen, then it means you have lost your own power as an individual. One of the things DDP we are excited about is that individual power that we've been given by the constitution, which is our primary document that gives us the mandate. Now, nobody can take that away from you because it's protected by laws. It's protected by a bill of human rights, which we're going to talk to about later this afternoon and later into, into our show. And those are parameters that are being given by our government so that your voice and my voice and everybody's voice has a protection, but it also being created a platform where it can be hard. And therefore, how do we cure this hopelessness is to look for the opportunities where my voice can be heard. Now, that also leads to the other question. What if the opportunities that are available are not uh, citizen friendly? Because mm. we cannot shy away from that view right now and somebody could be sitting with that question and say, hey, I know those opportunities do exist. I have tried that before, but it doesn't work. And those that I know that could have been working are not working. So what do I do as a citizen? Let me answer my own questions. Look for them and invent them. Because <laughs> there are those spaces that have been legislated and they are there. And we know uh, across our country, there has been enormous uh, uh, challenge uh, in, in terms of allowing ordinary citizens to participate in those legislated spaces. But there are also now innovative spaces that citizens are creating for themselves, which is still mm -hmm. very okay because they have to find a way to advocate for better life and better mm. public services provision without necessarily feeling that they're entangled in a system of governance that do not give them a chance to voice what mm. they think is important. Yeah. Sure, I'm, I'm so glad that um, you actually touched on the next part that we're gonna um, be discussing on, um, you know, there was a study that was conducted by Afrobarometer back in 2018 already, um, pre-COVID times, um, and at, at that time, they're already talking about the established um, mechanisms of representation, um, like your regular elections, your uh, political parties being uh, somewhat of a tool for the people, representation, um, the parliaments are very much necessary. Um, there's no one saying that they, they should be completely abolished unless you are now advocating against uh, democracy completely. Um, yeah. They're all necessary, um, and yeah. yet it still feels like they're not sufficient, right? And I think mm -hmm. I'm, I'm coming at this from the angle of, um, even though there might be these legislative uh, procedures and uh, the wards, et cetera, uh, I, I think I just wanna ask you, Dr. K, what is the role of education um, in aiding people to be aware of these different uh, mechanisms, right? Because I do think that a lot of the times the frustration does come from uh, people not being educated about it. Like I can't even tell you uh, back from my days when I was doing life orientation at school, um, democracy was plainly spoken at a, at a general level, you know, that, okay, the mm -hmm. first time South Africa had its democratic elections was on the 27th of February. And ever since then, it's been Kumbaya, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And maybe the one other thing that you could have seen is the TRC and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was one of the forms, I guess, of that uh, participation mm. of citizens. Um, mm. But there wasn't concrete uh, uh, 
education until I came across my politics degree on what exactly it looks like to be an active citizen in, in South Africa. Mm. So I think maybe I just want to ask you that question on uh, our education system. What do you think it's its role in, in yeah. this uh, citizen participation thing for our democracy? I think you're hitting on a very, very powerful point right there because part of the work that DDP does is community education. And we, we, we use different materials to enhance public's knowledge on the various aspects that contribute to a strong and a thriving democratic society. So we cannot discount the aspect of education as far as consolidating democracy is, in, is, is concerned. Because it's that knowledge that when we have it, we, we facilitate the lived values of democracy that do promote or give rise to new norms, yeah? Mm. That promote equality in society, that promote equity in society, that promote power sharing, that promote active citizens that of course leads to social justice. So mm. my take on this will be that until we get to a place where we have saturated our society with the correct knowledge, because again, we're living in the days of misinformation. So it's very important that citizens also know where to get proper information and correct factual information to inform themselves. And at the same time, organizations like DDP and others throughout this country to continue doubling their efforts in reaching out to as many people as possible so that even those that are excluded from the mm -hmm. forms of democratic processes that we are talking about can be reached with information. When an informed citizenry is, is, is provided with the right information, it's a very powerful citizenry because it's able Absolutely. to engage in any aspects with confidence and they're able to really execute their civic responsibilities without doubt. And that's what we aim mm. to do daily at DDP. Oh, fantastic, fantastic, Dr. K. I think I'm um, just still on the, the education uh, side of things um, and uh, citizen uh, uh, literacy, let's say, towards the political systems that we do have. I think one of the more common ones that people understand to be uh, the best way of engaging is through voting. Right. Um, that's almost yeah. kind of like what's inherent to democracy. You cannot have a democracy if there's no votes. And yes. um, I, I just want to ask you this particular one is uh, given the context that we had of our recent local government elections, one of the lowest voter turnouts um, in the history of our young little democracy. Um, do you think that people not voting is a means of citizen engagement? Is this an era and a time for us to challenge these traditional uh, you know, facets of citizen participation and uh, democracy, such as voting? Well, you know, this is a very important question, but also that needs a day or two to really unpack and engage and debate. So I'm going to try yeah, my best in the limited time that I have. <laughs> I would say upfront that abstaining from voting is not citizen engagement. Now, given the background I've given about why it's important that every citizen's voice must be heard, one way the voice of the citizens is heard is through their ballot. And if you cannot be able to participate in, a, in an election, what you're actually saying as a citizen indirectly, I'm handing over my power, my constitutionally given power, to somebody else, to either political party or to other people in society to make decisions on my behalf that I may not necessarily agree with. 
So we advocate as DDP, irrespective of what you feel about a political uh, party or the political situation in the country, come an election time, get out there and vote. There must be someone somewhere along that long list of political parties that represents something that comes close to your aspirations as an individual society, a citizen. Go and do it. You cannot participate and engage mm. faithfully as a citizen by abdicating your responsibility. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those um, defenders of public participation through the ballot box as the, mm. one of the powerful mechanisms to express our aspirations. And at the same time, of course, um, ensure that the, 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 our society is governed properly. And therefore we want to be part of the solution by participating in voting. Mm-hmm. It's always a controversial uh, topic, that one, to vote or not to vote. So it's like to be or not to be. <laughs> um, and, and I think uh, just, we're still in Human Rights Month. Uh, we're heading to the last stretch of it right now. And um, interestingly, like for South Africa, Human Rights Month is also at the same time as International Women's Month. Um, although we have our own dedicated month for women in August. Um, I think I just wanna ask you, what is the relationship between democracy and, and human rights? Um, that can maybe be our question of closing off for today. <laughs> I think we should write a thesis about that because you know that's a so, so very big question, but I'm going to try my best. Okay, so coming just broadly by understanding what <clears throat> democracy is about, it's a, it's a system of governance that allows everyone to participate in deciding what needs to be, how they want to be governed and giving those people they think they should represent them the power to execute certain decisions on their behalf in a system that allows them to participate effectively. Now, human rights on the other hand, are one of the mechanisms that a, a, human, a democratic society creates for them to participate effectively in that society, bearing in mind that there are boundaries to be observed and what are the responsibilities of everyone who is participating in that form of governance. In this case, is a democratic governance, yeah? Therefore, the two are not mutually exclusive. You cannot have one and don't have the other. If you really want to have democracy, a human rights mechanism must be in there so that each of us knows where our boundaries are. Our government needs to know where it does as executive. Our judiciary needs to know where it stops. Our legislature knows where it stops. Citizens know where they intersect with all these aspects and know who, who does what. Now, in terms of human rights, here we are protecting the the ability of individual citizens or groups of citizens in insofar as participating in that whole ecosystem of democratic governance is concerned. We are protecting freedoms and rights of participation and rights of expression and the rights of belonging and all those rights that are enshrined in our constitution and highlighting the Bill of Rights. You cannot have those and then say you have a democratic society. We have seen our world right now is littered with examples where when those freedoms are limited, then it's not democracy any longer. It's another form of governance. In South Africa, our beloved country has this powerful mechanism that allows us to participate in these processes. And the challenge right now, the dilemma that we are experiencing right now is that while on paper we started very well 
1994 and have this beautiful constitution. What has happened now, we have those who are included, a majority mm -hmm. that feel excluded, especially yeah. because our society is changing rapidly. Now we have, for example, influx of African migrants and international migrants also. And now they're in the same space with ordinary South Africans and there's no competition for resources. And now the human rights conversation becomes even more prominent because the const our constitution allows everyone who is in the country to enjoy their rights and their freedoms and are protected by the constitution. I think the dilemma now is to constantly address um, the, the, the challenges of ensuring that we do not create a system that there's majority of us excluded from democratic processes that will threaten the very essence of why we exist as a society. Mm, mm, sure, so powerful. I'm so glad you actually even brought up um, um, immigrant and migrant issues that are occurring in, in South Africa. As many of you would be aware, uh, DDP also has got a migration project um, in which we deal directly uh, with these issues. So you can catch that as well on our uh, social media platforms and, and check out the YouTube pages for that where all of these things are continuously challenged. Um, oh, Dr. K, we could discuss for even longer, uh, but this is where I think we have to, we have to end our podcast. Um, thank you very much um, to our listener for uh, tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Uh, be on the lookout for April where we will have episode two of our podcast, All Things Freedom, uh, in celebration of our Freedom Month and in celebration of South Africa having 29 years of democracy. Uh, please do follow us on our social media pages at DDP underscore democracy. And I mean, all social media pages, your Facebook, your YouTube, your TikTok, your Twitter, your Instagram, we are on it. And thank you very much for tuning into DDP Podcasts, where we educate, activate and mobilize.